Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Like I said, we have got to work together. It's blood and bone. You know, you mark the talisman. I don't make the rules. I mean, basically, we need to deliver free sacrifices by Mamus. Uh, that's Mayday to you, or else it's... Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I'm David Chen. Joining me today, she is a TV critic at Vulture. Roxana Haddadi, thank you so much for joining me today to cover Black Mirror here on Decoding TV. Thank you. I'm very excited to talk about how Black Mirror potentially is not Black Mirror anymore. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this conversation goes. Lots to dive into. On today's episode of Decoding TV, we will be discussing Black Mirror Season 6, Episode 4 and 5. Episode 4, Maisie Day. Episode 5, Demon 79. This will wrap up our time covering Black Mirror, but there is a lot to discuss. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the season of Black Mirror. And uh, also find us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at Decoding TV. Quick shout out for other coverage coming on Decoding TV. We'll be covering The Bear. We'll be covering Silo season finale soon. Silo, which, by the way, is just renewed for a season two. Uh, We'll be covering the season finale here on Decoding TV. And I am pleased to announce that as of this moment, a lot could change. But as of this moment, we are planning to cover Secret Invasion with a couple of really cool co-hosts, I will have more to say about that in the very... Actually, by the time you're listening to this, uh, the episode will probably already have been on the feed because we're recording this way in advance of when we're actually putting it on the feed. So, uh, yeah, keep it tuned in to podcast.decodingtv.com and listen to our coverage of all of those shows. Also, support this podcast. If you're enjoying the show and you're like, hey, I would like to listen to David and a bunch of extremely talented writers and podcasters cover... Uh, everything else that's going on in the world of television, become a paid member at decodingtv.com. We'd really, really appreciate it. Get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, uh, and show your support. Uh, It really means a lot. Thanks to everyone who makes Decoding TV possible. All right, Roxana Haddadi, let's get to it. Today on Decoding TV, let's dive back into Black Mirror Season 6. This time, let's talk about Episode 4, Maisie Day. We're going to start by talking about overall thoughts. Should people watch this episode? And then we're going to dive into a a, a really in-depth, detailed, spoilery recap. Talk about a few other topics. So, Roxanne Haddadi, Maisie Day, Episode 4 of Season 6 of Black Mirror. Did you like it? Should people watch this one? Uh, Yes, I liked it. I think it is, again, sort of moving a little bit away from what Black Mirror was, had been. But also, it's only like 40 minutes. So, come on. What else are you going to do with 40 minutes? (laughs) I do think what is interesting, which you pointed out in a previous podcast, is that episodes four and five basically have no sci-fi elements in them. Yeah, four has like a little bit of a commentary on tech of a certain kind. A little bit. I think with the idea of like paparazzi and like media immediacy and the 24-hour news cycle and how all of those things can be like disruptive and destructive episode five doesn't really have anything we can talk about that when well, we talk yeah, about I mean, episode both, five. both episode four and five take place in the past you know so i think that, sure. and, and they don't have any like newfangled technology like beyond the sea so right. i do think it's notable that we have like three episodes uh, in this season of Black Mirror that that basically have no discernible sci-fi premise at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe where the season's going, uh, where the series is going, I should say. Mm-hmm. So you like this one. You like Maisie Day. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't, again, I don't think it's like making any like big points that we're surprised by. Like paparazzi bad is sort of a message that we've known and discussed for a long time. Uh but I I thought the twist was pretty well handled. 
And again, it was short. I cannot stress this enough. That after seems to be the, the strongest. Minutes, after the 80 minutes of the preceding episode, this was like lovely. I was like, oh, 40 minutes. This is great. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's not, it probably among very committed Black Mirror fans probably ranks pretty low. Because it doesn't, like you said, doesn't do tech, doesn't really do sci-fi. But I liked it as like a, you know, pretty gory, solidly twisty little horror episode. Well, Roxana, I got to say, this is probably my least favorite one of these these uh, episodes in the I season. I knew it. I knew that this was going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It is the most disposable. It's not poorly done. This is the thing no. with Black Mirror. It's like... Every single Black Mirror generally has good cinematography, good acting, good production design, good art design, like all the, you know, good creature designs. Mm -hmm. Virtually every single Black Mirror is like technically competent. Um, So the question is, how interesting and fun is the premise? Mm -hmm. Uh, How thought provoking is the final episode? And Mm -hmm. uh, not very is the answer to both of those questions for me. I thought this is a very weak episode Mm -hmm. uh, that. Again, well done, but just leaves almost no residual presence in my mind. And uh, I I think also what's sad about it is that it starts very promisingly. It starts like kind of like in a way where I'm thinking to myself, oh, this might be kind of an interesting look at paparazzi and celebrity culture and Mm -hmm. um, obviously become something very different. So Mm -hmm. I I was pretty disappointed by this. If, If... there's one episode you can skip this season. In my opinion, it is Maisie Day. Like, See, I would completely say that it should just be one you put on in the background while you're like cooking dinner or sure. like folding your laundry. Sure. Yes. It's not necessarily thought provoking. What I thought was sort of interesting is I think it has the inverse problem of episode three. Where episode three felt like it had a lot of ideas and it couldn't really focus on one, which is why I think we had slightly different interpretations of what the episode was saying right it's like it was saying a lot of different things without focusing on one specific element with this one it's like there's one specific element there isn't much more to it and i don't you know like how do we analyze this there's not much to analyze yeah that's what i'm saying it's like <laughs> you know <laughs> there's a there's a big reveal that's a thing so and then and then yeah. that's that's the episode so all right yeah. let's let's get into it yeah uh, spoilers for episode four of Black Mirror season six right now. Bo is a paparazzo who becomes disenchanted with her job after realizing how predatory it is. Meanwhile, Maisie Day is a star actress shooting a film in the Czech Republic. One night after a shoot, she's driving in the middle of the night when her car hits a mysterious figure. Mm-hmm. Maisie gets out of the car and takes a closer look before driving away. But she's profoundly affected by this event, quickly begins to spiral and retreats from public life. Bo falls on hard times and learns that a photo of Maisie will fetch $30,000. So she decides to follow Maisie to a secretive rehab facility. Meanwhile, a bunch of paparazzi also pick up the scent and they all converge on the same location, trying to grab a photo of Maisie. They find that Maisie has been chained up to a bed in this rehab facility. And Bo initially thinks Maisie is being tortured. But in a flashback, it's revealed that, whoa, twist, Maisie actually hit a werewolf. And the werewolf (laughs) bit her, and now Maisie is a werewolf. Mm -hmm. Maisie starts killing a bunch of the paparazzis before being subdued. As she transforms back into a human, she asks Bo to kill her and put her out of her misery. Bo hands her a pistol and instead takes a photo of her as Maisie finishes herself off. So that is the story. I like the ending a lot. Mm -hmm. I think that the ending... The specific ending, like the taking a picture ending, is very smart. And I do think the predatory angle of that fits in with like Joan is awful and does fit in with Black Mirror's overarching like tech is bad. If we're if we're specifically using a photographer, like a photo as tech and the entire paparazzi industry as tech, which I think you could I think you could make the argument that that kind of coverage fueled celebrity blogs and digital media and like a whole different kind of online experience. I think you could make that argument if you were really stretching it, which, <laughs> which you know, you I'll try to. 
<laughs> but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's a werewolf twist. Whatever. I think it's fun, but I don't know how much more there is there. But what what excited you about the premise? Like, where did you think it was going to go? Well, first of all, let's start at the beginning. Bo's a paparazzo, mm-hmm. and she's taking photos of this guy who I guess is... Uh, it seems like he's gay, but he's not out. And he's like, Correct. He, he's kind of like a B or C list actress, uh, actor, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say, I, I think this movie takes place around the time that Surrey Cruz was born, right? It's very specifically 2006. Like right. there are a lot of signifiers that specify it as 2006. Yeah. Any uh, speculation as to why it's 2006? I guess that's kind of the height, maybe arguably the height of celebrity. Yeah. I mean, I think like, right. Yeah. The cruise child was like a major thing that everybody was trying to get photos of. Right. It was like, we have to prove that Tom and Katie actually had this child. And yeah, I mean, I remember 2006 was what my sophomore year of college. And I remember it was like, blogs like delisted superficial perez hilton like a bunch of gossip blogs were huge online so yeah i think it makes sense to put it specifically in this year i wonder when the britney photos were like when britney shaved her head i think that was 2008 mm-hmm. but ultimately it was like this early aughts era when all of this was sort of at its most feverish pitch i also think I was talking about this on the film cast recently, another podcast I host, and um, Steven Soderbergh recently did an interview. He has a new show coming out in July, actually. We should have talked mm-hmm. about that in our mm-hmm. pre, uh, full circle, pre-show yeah. banter, Roxana, about um, Full Circle. He has a show coming, called Full Circle coming out in July, and he gave an interview recently where he talked about uh, cell phones are the worst thing to ever happen to movies, mm-hmm. and how thrillers and horror movies and whatever uh, mystery movies are a lot easier to pull off when everyone wasn't reachable all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what's really funny about that? Did somebody ask him about his era where he was filming things with phones? <laughs> yes, it's interesting. He's He has arguably done more to advance the cause of smartphone filmmaking yeah. than any other filmmaker. So, it, so is, it is a little bit ironic. But mm-hmm. um, I do think it's notable that three out of the five episodes of Black Mirror Season 6 take place in worlds that have no smartphones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Because a smartphone is such a ubiquitous... Mm-hmm. device and it's also very narratively difficult to write around a smartphone um and i think that that's also the case in this episode uh, episode mm-hmm. four Maisie day where uh if this was in the post smartphone era it would probably have been easier to get a photo of Maisie day like um of course you know yeah i mean we sort of talked about this earlier it's like now everybody is a paparazzo everybody right. has exactly. a smartphone anybody can take a picture of anyone at any time like do you remember the um when Ariana Grande was like licking donuts and talking about how much she hates America, I think that was like a person who filmed her on their cell phone. So, mm-hmm. you know, once you get into the smartphone era, there are tons of like little celebrity scandals that were because the average person was filming. Yeah. But at this specific moment, it was very much like paparazzi photos, basically from the 90s, I think, until the early aughts. Yeah. Um, the paparazzi photo was like, a major cultural deal. Yeah. So I think that uh, the being set in the era before smartphones at the height of paparazzi, like that's a, when paparazzi is occupied uh, a space of extreme cultural impact. And also it was a very lucrative job. Um, Mm -hmm. And scorn. Yeah. Extreme cultural scorn. Yeah. So at the beginning of the episode, Bo struggles with the fact that she has photographed this guy um, having intimate times with this another man, mm-hmm. and he begs her not to publish the photos. She sells the photos anyway. I for... think she only struggles after what happens to him. I don't think she struggles with taking the photo before. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and you see her sell the photos for, I think it's like $900. Yeah. Nine, a few hundred dollars, like yeah. less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, and then the person uh, kills himself. You know, yeah. he commits suicide because of this. Mm-hmm. And that causes her to kind of really take stock about what, what she's doing with her life. And uh, her other paparazzi colleagues try to make her feel better. And they say, Hey, you are just doing your job. We're all just doing our jobs here. And, very it's, notably, all men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's the only female paparazzi within this group, which I think also contributes to her discomfort when there is a moment with like a 
Miley Cyrus, Britney Spears type celebrity where uh, we see and she watches as like these other paparazzi um, like goad this woman, basically, like they're yelling insults at her, like they're crowding her. It's very reminiscent of like how Lindsay Lohan was treated back in the day. And at that point is when Bo like walks away from the industry, right? She's like, I don't want to be part of this anymore. I see how it's hurting people. I'm just going to go work at a coffee shop. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that scene. Like I have not been a paparazzi, you know, before I have, I've been a photographer. News alert. News alert, guys. (laughs) Thanks, Roxanne. But uh, it felt very authentic to me, that interaction, The, the part where they're goading her and then like, the the star gets very upset and then after like that's what they want they want you to get mm-hmm. upset so they can grab this very damning photo and then afterwards they're all kind of like high-fiving each other it's very gross very upsetting right mm-hmm. uh and so i love the the authenticity the versimilitude of all that this felt like yeah this felt, this is like a crew of people they all know each other they're all like part of this predatory industry and it's like oh the setup is great for something that's going to comment on our obsession with celebrity culture, the people who enable it, that kind of thing, you know? So I was thinking to myself, very promising beginning for the episode. Mm -hmm. Then they chase down Maisie Day and we're like 30 minutes into the 40 minute episode when they're like about to find Maisie Day. And I'm like, what what else is like, this feels like we're at the end of act one or the beginning of act two versus like towards the end of the episode. And then Mm -hmm. of course the reason is because Roxana, it's all just for this big twist, a big aha, like. Well, but let me let me back up. We're sort of we're sort of skipping over the fact that like the first act of this episode is Bo, but the second act is Maisie. We Fair get enough. like a significant amount of time with her on set, and we see that she is like the star of this like fantasy property or whatever. Seems like a period um, piece. Yeah, but her life is like very lonely. Like mm-hmm. we see that she is like drinking and doing drugs by herself, like in her hotel room. There's nobody around, right? I think there is a commentary there again on like the cost of fame, which also is something that the documentary episode does. Like, does fame drive people away from you? Do you have to drive them away from you? All that stuff. So I do, you know, again, like I think this episode is very broad in being like, paparazzi bad uh celebrity at a young time difficult <laughs> but you're right then like when Bo tracks down Maisie there's only like 10 to 15 minutes left of the episode and it's a real question of where else could this go and where it goes is like a goosebumps book <laughs> where she becomes a <laughs> werewolf <laughs> Uh, I the thing about Black Mirror is what I love is all the other like little side characters and the little mm-hmm. interactions are all really well done. So, for instance, Bo has a kind of prickly roommate mm-hmm. uh, who. Oh, you found him prickly. I just found him socially awkward. Yeah, socially awkward. But he he, you know, Bo. You can get the sense Bo is not holding up her part of the roommate contract. No. And so this guy needs to like confront her and he like reads off these cards and mm-hmm. it's just like a nice little touch. It's a nice little touch yeah. that makes it feel like these people are real people, you know? Did and- you feel, how did you feel about her uh, flavorful cooking? Did you have any thoughts about her cooking ginger and garlic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> to Th- the was- annoyance of her white male roommate? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, what was inter- what was funny to me about that was like, uh, I thought it would be like she's cooking meat and he's a vegetarian or something. Right? But it's no, just like, nope, it's just she's just, cooking it's aromatics. Just too much flavor. It's too much yeah, flavor. It's too much. You know? it's too can't, much. can't handle it. Can't handle it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does suck. Like his interaction <laughs> with her, where he has to prepare note cards for asking for his side of the rent. I did find like relatable as someone who does not like confrontation. I don't think he but, sucks. I don't think he sucks. I think he he has a roommate who's not pulling her end of the bargain, and he needs to find ways to awkwardly bring it up. And, I think you know. he has racist microaggressions about her food, which okay. are probably exacerbated by the fact that she is not contributing to her part <laughs> of the apartment. Um, but yeah, so it's like there's that little interaction and Bo has her friend who's played by, you know, Danny Ramirez from Top Gun Maverick. He also seems like a less terrible paparazzo than the rest of them who are all like very abusive and mean. But like that's, I mean, I guess there's also the celebrity doctor. 
Yeah, and and that's that's the thing. You know, that's another side interaction that I really mm-hmm. appreciate. And it's and it's a nice fake out, you know, because they make you think that Maisie is spiraling because she's killed someone, but in fact, it's because right. she's um, a, she's in like addiction recovery. They're like detoxing her or something. Yeah, um, but it's in fact then, it's because she's a werewolf, Roxanne. Yeah, that's why. That's why she's spiraling. You know what I love though is the implication here. That the celebrity doctor knows how to treat werewolves because Hollywood like has other werewolves. What is the <laughs> suggestion? How does right. he know to do this? Right. Yeah. It's a good question. Good question. So anyway, so, so yeah. they all converge on this rehab center. And and uh, there's some, again, a lot of nice moments along the way. This The guy at the diner is a little creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, Bo the is waiter, following Maisie, the but then this guy gets creepy? out and like... Well, he's kind. Of, it's kind of like there's something. He's like watching her leave, and I'm like, "What's going on? There might be something there." Okay. Anyway, okay. Uh, and then the guy gets out of Maisie's car and uh, slashes her tires, and that's mm-hmm. like a very like nice moment. Maisie Day's like security guy. Yeah. There was one other moment that was kind of notable about the episode, which is or two two other mo- moments that really stuck out to me. Right, one is uh, when. Bo is trying to help Maisie, and then mm-hmm. everyone's like flashing lights, and you can you can understand. That if this is a situation where a star was genuinely in peril and they were surrounded by paparazzi, their inclination would be, let's take a picture of this and not let's help this actual human who is in Mm -hmm. pain and distress, right? Mm -hmm. And so that feels like a relevant and damning commentary on the paparazzi culture, you know, for sure. Sure. And then, of course, the final moment when Bo decides, hey, I'm going to help you out a little bit, but only a little bit, and I'm still going to benefit off of it, you know? Yes. That's kind of the, that's kind of the paparazzi in the best form. The, the best possible outcome for a paparazzi is, I'm helping you, you're helping me, and we're all profiting off of human suffering. You know, that's kind of, that feels like best case scenario. Yeah, I, sure. I mean, I think, couldn't we, again, I think what I found, like, narratively lackluster about this episode, although I liked the horror part of it, it's like, isn't, couldn't you say that about all of Hollywood, right? I mean, like, everybody is, like, making money off each other. Like, it's not like the paparazzi are, like, the only terrible job. You could argue that, like, managers and agents and, like, all these other people are also somewhat predatory. I don't know. That's sort of why it was a little... It sort of feels to me, again, like the we're making fun of Netflix thing. It's like, I just want something a little meatier than the observation of, like, the paparazzi are hurting people. Like I, I sort of know that. <laughs> I don't disagree. Hey, I don't, Roxanne, I don't disagree. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to be as positive as I can about you this are. episode. You are. Putting, I was, you're definitely putting a more yeah. positive. Like you're trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, right, which I appreciate. Right. Yeah. Honestly, just, I'm looking at my notes for this episode, and literally, mm-hmm. I wrote in my notes, episode four. This was just a huge bummer. What was the point of that? That was my, that was mm-hmm. my note. Because yeah, there's, there's nothing particularly insightful. I think about paparazzi culture. It's mm-hmm. a fun little twist. Fun little. Aha! I think it's a good genre ride. Like yeah, I said, good genre like, ride. Put it on when you're cooking dinner or folding laundry or doing your chores or something. It's fun. It's fun and forgettable. The creature effects were decent. You know. Yeah, they were but, fine. But yeah, I, I did. I'll just go back to that point I made of, that I did feel quite terrified when Bo is trying to like help this woman out, and everyone's just the flashbulbs are just nonstop, and you the really get the sense they're of creating like a strobe light effect. Yeah, it's like very impenetrable for the actual like. I mean, obviously, it's a purposeful effect for there not to be like a lot of production lighting because the flashes are going off and they're enveloping her, and there's a very like echoing quality to that visually. I do think that was well done. I mean, the earlier interaction with the starlet as well is similar like that, where the lights are going off um, and we see her within those lights and how disoriented she has become. I thought that was smart. But you really get the sense of like why this could be a dangerous situation, you know, and that's in a real life scenario where, I don't know, you're following Princess Diana into a tunnel or something. You you get the sense of like why this could be disorienting, confusing. It does really give you that. And of course, the end, you know, Bo taking the photo, it's it's a chilling moment where she's Mm -hmm. she still needs to go out, get that bag, despite the fact that this woman is uh, in great misery in front of her. So, but, you know, it's almost what I almost wish is I I almost wish the episode had then kept going. Mm -hmm. Like, couldn't we have also had a commentary on like faked photographs like but like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this seems like a impossible event. 
of which these photographers have taken like hundreds of photos because they take photos like of her transformation, of her killing all the people in this diner. Like there are hundreds of photos showing that Maisie Day became a werewolf and then died by suicide. And I almost wish to sort of bring it back to a tech place if the episode had continued that idea of do people accept Bo's photos? Or, mm-hmm. is you know, like, does she make money off of this? Or is it, you know, presented as like a deep fake and then everybody, you know, it's like, I, I just wish, I feel like there's so much you can say right now about doctored photographs. And the episode doesn't really do that. It just stays mm-hmm. in, like you said, the past with a uh, a very, like, easy ending, I think. Mm-hmm. An unsettling visual ending but an easy thematic ending that I think they could have pushed a little further. That's interesting. I agree with you that the episode misses a lot of opportunities to go down interesting paths that that it doesn't go down. Right. Uh, For me, one of the most interesting lines in the episode was uh, when Bo is talking with the other paparazzi about how this guy has killed himself. And uh, she, you know, you know, one of the guys says to her, yeah, well, you know, there's a bunch of people who would kill themselves if we didn't take their photos. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it's like that person is an unreliable narrator, clearly. But I thought that was a very interesting observation. Like the the there there is actually a symbiotic relationship between paparazzi and celebrities. It's not just yeah. paparazzi bad. You no. know, it's like more complicated than that. And I thought that would be area that the episode would explore. It ultimately didn't. So, yeah, I mean, there are yeah. tons of celebrities who call the paparazzi on themselves. Absolutely. Like yeah. the Kardashians are, a, that is a major part of their like be everywhere all the time, omnipresent media coverage type of approach to fame and celebrity. And there's also the reason that like we've never seen photos of Ryan Gosling and Ava Mendez's kids. Cause like mm. I think if you're a celebrity and you want to be private, you really can be. You have mm. enough money to be private. Um, And I think there is, to your point, like a give and take relationship between certain celebrities and paparazzi now. And even then, that could have been explained a little bit, a little bit further. But yeah, it's like, yeah, this is just like a an atypically easy episode of Black Mirror in terms of like where it leaves you. Like, I think it's uncomfortable to think about whatever Bo's last photo looks like. But yeah, like the paparazzi who deserved to die, died. And that was it. <laughs> that was a very chilling moment when there's a paparazzi who's getting his the bottom half of his body eaten. Yeah. And then one of the paparazzi like rips his camera away from him. Like that mm-hmm. was a very like, oh, wow. Hector, people- who is like Bo's friend, the like not as bad mm-hmm. paparazzi, like takes the camera and says it's like worth a million dollars. And then he and Bo go on the run. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a chill moment. So there's not again. It's it's a fine genre exercise mm-hmm. that has virtually no takeaways of any mm-hmm. substance whatsoever. So which would you rather rewatch, this or the third episode? Which would I rather rewatch? I would rather yeah. rewatch neither of them. But between the two of them, I certainly think the third episode is uh, a more thought provoking piece of work. Is it know? because of Josh Hartnett? Absolutely. Yeah, that's um, what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, those are our thoughts on Black Mirror Season 6, Episode 4, Maisie Day. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 
All right, let's get to our thoughts on episode five, season six of Black Mirror, Demon 79. You're listening to Decoding TV or watching it on YouTube at youtube.com slash decoding TV. I'm David Chen here with Roxana Haddadi. Let's start with a brief reaction to episode five. Did we like it? Did we think it was good? Do you think people should watch it? We'll do a detailed recap, and then we will dive into some more, further details of things we liked and didn't like about the episode. So, Roxana Haddadi. Mm-hmm. Season six, episode five, Black Mirror, Demon 79. What did you think? Do you think people should watch this episode? Is this a good one? I love this episode, like, so much. Like, if this were a pilot for another TV show about these characters, I would be so happy (laughs) at the possibility of a series based on the two of them. I think it's very fun. Um, Again, this probably has the very least to do with tech. And I think what's interesting is that uh, people might notice that the beginning isn't called Black Mirror, right? It's styled as Red Mirror. So my understanding of this episode is that it was almost supposed to be like the beginning of like a Black Mirror sort of spinoff series. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that spinoff series is ever going to happen or if it was really just this one episode that it's contained to. But I really enjoyed it. I I think it's fun. And no, it has nothing to do with sci-fi. It's really, again, sort of like a fantastical, um, tonally comedic monster episode. It really reminded me of something that would be in Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Mm. I just really enjoyed it and thought it was really fun. I also think that the performances here for me were by far the strongest of mm. the season. Interesting. And I, yeah. yes, I say that even against the performances in Joan is awful. I just mm-hmm. really was charmed by this episode. But yeah, it's it's not it's not Black Mirror, right? It's Red Mirror. So I don't know. Yeah, my my understanding <laughs> of the Red Mirror, like so, at the beginning of every Black Mirror episode, you see the glass cracking and it's this Black yeah. Mirror. But in this episode, it says like, you know, this is a Red Mirror. Uh, mm-hmm. movie my understanding of what i've seen people interpret it as uh online as this is a um in-universe uh movie like like if you're if you're living in the black mirror universe you would watch this movie you oh know, this, that's a, weird a i don't universe know if i that, like that that exists because it, it basically is um like the stylings of the aesthetics of it are like with the credits and everything make mm-hmm. it feel like it is a movie so Presumably, it is a movie in the Black Mirror universe, right? So, like, okay. So, Streamberry exists in the Black Mirror universe. Netflix exists in the Black Mirror universe. (laughs) Yes. And this this movie, Demon 79, exists. Because if you look look at the art, too, like the poster art, it makes it look like it's a move, like it's an actual real life movie. So, I don't know. I I mean, I did notice that about the credits. I, I didn't necessarily think that it was in universe. Mm-hmm. I still I still would like a Red Mirror spin-off series. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's possible. It's possible. I think that but, would be fun, but yeah. Okay, that's interesting. What I did you think? I think this episode is pretty good and it is propelled to pretty good status almost completely off of the casting and the performances. Like yes. the the two main actors who are Anjan Vasan, I'm sorry, Anjana Vasan who plays Nita and uh Papa Esiedu who plays Ga- Gap in this episode. Uh, they just have such great chemistry with each other and they bounce off each other so well. And it's a, it's a genuine delight to watch them do their thing uh, that that makes the episode worth watching for me. Mm -hmm. Some of the other stuff in the episode is really cool. Uh, Some of the imagined sequences uh, are really cool. The effect where uh, gap allows uh, Nita to see things you see in the trailer where like, he like grabs her hand and like her eyes, light up like you know the um Mm -hmm. uh, the entire history of you it's kind of like she's watching so you know that that stuff is really cool looking and really well executed Mm -hmm. uh you know does it have any interesting takeaways i couldn't figure out really what it was you know i think i'm I'm used to black mirror having like a moral you know and it's okay okay if you don't have a moral for a black mirror episode like i'm not saying it needs to be extremely clear what the moral is but um I don't even know exactly what I'm supposed to think. Like if it doesn't have a moral, at least it should get me thinking like Joan is awful. That like gets me thinking about like how people's images are used and, and you know how technology appeals to our baser instincts. And we should be on the lookout for that. There's no, there's no like real moral there, but like 
it, it gets me thinking about these things. Demon 79, I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to be thinking about at the really? end of this, you know? I feel like but you didn't let's, think let's talk about it. Let's talk about okay. it. In, okay. In the spoilers, okay. In the spoilers. So okay. overall, I, I'm a big fan of the episode. I like the episode. Mm-hmm. Very solid. Um, mm-hmm. And it's primarily because of the performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of, it's not why I watch Black Mirror, right? Um, the other thing I just want to mention too is it has a lot of procedural aspects to it. Um, okay. And I think that Charlie Brooker really likes police procedurals like many mm-hmm. black mirror episodes play out like police procedurals they'll introduce like police characters detectives who are mm-hmm. looking you know and i think he just likes police procedurals and this is like another excuse for him to do a police procedural but basically no sci-fi elements whatsoever Mm-mm. uh and so you know it's it's just another well fairly well executed genre piece mm-hmm. let's talk about the plot and then we'll react further to some of the aspects of it so here's what happens in demon 79 it's 1979, and Nita is an Indian immigrant and a mild-mannered uh, shoe salesperson working in the north of England. She brings biryani to eat for lunch, but after her coworker complains about the smell of her lunch, she decides to take her lunch in the basement of the department store. Mm-hmm. While looking through some drawers, she accidentally activates an ancient curse. As you do. Later that night, a demon named Gap appears, taking on the appearance of Bobby Farrell from the musical group Boney M. Gap informs Nita that she must kill three people over the course of the next three nights, or else the apocalypse will be triggered and Gap will be exiled. Exiled from hell, I feel like we should say, right? Like not exiled from Earth, but just like kicked out of hell. Yeah, like eternal nothingness or something. Yes, eternal blankness. Yeah. Yeah. Nita completes the first two killings, becoming increasingly skilled at doing so. For her third victim, she decides to kill a conservative political candidate named Michael Smart, but is foiled by a detective before she can complete the kill. Mm -hmm. She's taken to the police station for questioning, and as the clock strikes midnight, nuclear weapons fall, triggering the apocalypse. Meanwhile, Gap confirms to Nita he's been exiled and invites her to join him wherever he's going next. And the two walk towards the camera and out of frame as the police station ignites in flames. Mm -hmm. So... That's kind of what happens overall in the story. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot going on. As I mentioned, there's a, there's a police procedural element to this. Nita's murdering people uh, and the police are kind of trying to track her down. The whole time we are wondering, right, mm-hmm. is this something that Nita is just seeing in her head or imagining? Or is this an actual supernatural phenomenon? And I also think, is she being tricked? is Gap telling her the truth? So there's like, the is she imagining it? There's a suggestion that her mother, who has since passed, also uh, had like mental illness. Um, so there's a little bit of fear from that angle. And then there's also the idea that like Gap is a demon. <laughs> so he could just be He could just be her. effing with her, you know? Yeah, and- is he just like, you know, having a fun time? A lot of their dynamic reminded me of like the good place mm, and yeah. this idea of like trickster demons who just, you know, get their entertainment from messing with people. Um, it that reminded, not honestly, the dynamic the of this episode reminded me a lot of Quantum Leap. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. You, you know, where you have like this invisible guy and then this person's trying to like solve this problem, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily uh, believe that they should be doing what they're doing, you know, like. Uh, very Quantum Leap-esque, in a good way. I, I like Quantum Leap. I think it's a great mm-hmm. you know, great show, classic show. So, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, and, and it, it's fun. It's a fun component of the episode is that you're wondering to what extent uh, Gap is telling the truth and to mm-hmm. what extent he's actually trying to help her. Uh, and you, you kind of discover throughout the course of the episode. And I think by the end, we learned that Gap was actually on the level about basically everything. Right? Yes. Like, he was yes. telling the truth. He was trying to help her out. Um, and that's that's nice to see. Also, the biggest evidence I think that Gap is uh, that that this is an actual supernatural phenomenon is when Nita goes downstairs and she finds newspaper clippings. Uh, it does seem as though this is something that's happened before because she finds newspaper clippings of three people who have died mysteriously mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. the past, and mm-hmm. I think. Uh, the implication is that the person who created the shoe store that she's working in. Yes. The person who created Fawcett's yeah, like department previously, store. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Was but previously again, cursed. Yeah. So. But don't you feel like, again, that is up for interpretation? Because maybe he just killed three people, right? 
It's There's true. nothing in the newspaper article that's like, and an apocalypse was avoided. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's three true. people and, and, died. And so so the, the newspaper headlines read the following, okay? Mm-hmm. Publican dies in blaze. Okay. Workman crushed by collapsing wall. Mm-hmm. Woman's disappearance confounds police. Mm-hmm. And then, May Day celebration grand success. So, right. So it's like, three people died. Who knows if it was because of a curse or just because, like, the guy who was running the store lost it. Um, but you know what's really funny is if you, like, ran this department store and you were cursed or whatever, wouldn't you get rid of the talisman? Why did you just put it in your desk? Yeah, why would you Why would you bury it far underneath the ground, you know? Throw it into the ocean. <laughs> Although I guess then you could have, like, a original Jumanji situation where the game then washes up on another mm-hmm. shore. Yeah. I think the biggest evidence that it might all be in her head is that you already see her imagining uh, murdering people yes. before the demon shows up. So she, she like, imagines herself, you know, beating the guy, like, smashing the guy's head into the thing. But again, she is imagining, and I think, so this goes back to, like, my questioning of whether this episode had a moral. Um, you do see that she is fantasizing about killing people who suck, mm-hmm. right? Her, like, racist co-worker so again it's 1979 uh britain is getting like increasingly conservative the national front who are openly racist are like gaining traction her incredibly awful white co-worker who never does any work but is the favorite of the boss um is reading a national front pamphlet at work and talking about like how they have a lot of great ideas um there is a there is a guy well known within the community who killed his wife but got away with it. Um, so, like, you know, Netta has these moments where she is fantasizing about killing these people who pretty clearly deserve it. And then when Gap comes, his rationale is like, you're killing people. Who, I'll, I'll let you kill people who are doing bad things so that you feel better about having to kill these people which is sort of an interesting little twist um, that I think makes the kills like a little more engaging. I think like Mm -hmm. these people sort of suck. She has to find herself in killing them. um, And her performance is so good because she is straddling that line of like, I know these people are awful and let me find a way to naturally integrate the hammer that I brought with me into this conversation (laughs) before I kill them. (laughs) I thought all the kills were really, really well done, you know, in this episode. Um, And also you got some Stephen King dead zone going on in here where Mm -hmm. gap is revealing the futures of these people. He's Mm -hmm. revealing that this man under the bridge uh, abuses his daughter. And then like that gives her the strength to murder him. Uh, but then also like I was really kind of bowled over by this moment when she kills this guy who has previously killed his own wife mm-hmm. uh, and he kind of just like accepts that it's going to happen. And it's yeah. a very like powerful moment. It's not how you expect that scene to play out. I, I didn't expect it anyway. Yeah. Uh, where he's like, I, you know, I knew this would happen. Like I deserve it. And then before he can finish talking, she kind of bashes him in the head with a hammer. And it's like, yeah, it's a really powerful scene it's really weird to say but you you kind of feel compassion for this guy who's murdered Mm -hmm. before and then but also like you you also are on nita's side because she's killing this murder and then of course uh you find out that that killing was actually invalid Mm -hmm. because um because she's not allowed to kill people who have killed people because people who kill people hell or wherever this demon comes from actually like those people right because gap is very bad at people. explaining the rules yes. that's kind of I was yeah. like, that's kind of a big technicality gap it's like yes. not cool that you left that out yes you know? but i i you know i liked that this was a little bit of like knock at the cabin and a little bit of it's a beautiful life in that it's a demon attempting to like be taken seriously by other demons as opposed to an angel getting its wings like there are a lot of fun Mm-hmm. little details about the characters that i think anjana vasan and papa isidu like sell really well and they have really good chemistry together um it's very like light-hearted and snarky and funny i think that works but okay so 
I, I do you not feel sort of and again this is like an obvious message but do you not feel like the message was like racism bad and if we accept racism then maybe a the apocalypse is the only option again mm -hmm. it's not like a tech message but there is sort of like a social theme isn't there I guess because you're you're referring to the fact that her last kill she decides is going to be a politician, and I I really love that whole interaction between her and uh, between Nita and Gap at the end where she decides, hey, the, this is going to be the guy, yeah. and Gap is trying to talk her out of it, yeah, because this guy who is a conservative politician is going to do great things on behalf of the devil and Satan, mm -hmm. you know, amazing and stuff, amazing stuff, you yeah. know, he's going to represent Satan bigly. Uh, well, he's, and you know what's funny is he's going to create the surveillance state that Black Mirror has made so many episodes about, mm -hmm. right? We do it's see like a we, glimpse of Metalhead in the yeah. flash forward, which is another episode of Black Mirror, right? So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, I think um, so. That was like a fun little back and forth. And she's like, "Well, technically, he still qualifies, right?" And he's like, "I guess," you know, mm -hmm. and. The episode does allow you to play out this fantasy uh, that, that has been common in online circles for a while, which is, is it right to go back and kill Hitler as a baby? You yeah. know, basically, right? Like, is I mean, that, I think is that, the answer is yes. Sure. Is that justifiable? And, and, no, <laughs> and Roxana comes down squarely on the side of kill yeah. that baby, right? I'm squarely on the inglorious bastards. Like, who cares? Just take care of business. She is you are you are firmly rooting for infanticide. Yeah. In most circumstances, you know. Yeah, and... sure. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Who cares? It's Hitler, whatever. <laughs> but how do we know that someone even more horrible wouldn't have risen up instead, Roxanne? Okay, well in then the we meantime, have time travel and we can go back hands. in time travel and kill that guy too. Look, if we have time travel, <laughs> we should be doing a lot of murder in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's indeed. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's complicated because is it okay to kill this guy? You think definitely yes. And yeah, yeah. The the episode the episode just made me what what the episode did provoke in me is this idea of what if something like this happened in real life where mm -hmm. uh, this immigrant murders mm -hmm. this conservative politician and then like and claims it's because she was trying to prevent the apocalypse and so on and so forth. You know, like mm -hmm. that that would probably feed this massive wave of xenophobia. Yeah, in the country, like that's kind of yes. what I was thinking about. Uh, but fortunately, we don't need to think about any. Like the episode absolves us of considering any of that because it turns out Gap was right. Unless, of course, Nita's just imagining everything, including the apocalypse. Hmm. Um, that's which I interesting. Do think, so the point I was making earlier, Roxana, is you you, you do see her fantasize about killing people, and mm -hmm. that is evidence that maybe she made Gap up in her mind. And then at the very end. Uh, the police people look at the talisman and it just looks like a standard piece of wood. You know, it, it's, it, it is possible to interpret this as though Nita made everything up. I think. See, I don't think so because I think when we I'm not get I interpret it that way, I'm just saying, I think it's the, it leaves the door open, but okay. Go right. Ahead. I'm telling you that I don't think that okay, though, from like a visual perspective, because her fantasies are very coded right like mm -hmm. we get like these quick zooms forward we get like specific musical notes like mm -hmm. there is a way that we know that her okay. fantasies are fantasies and they're usually because we remain within her perspective um but the first time that we see the apocalypse happening we shift to everyone else. like we shift to the perspective of the cops we don't stay with her she's not the first person who like mm -hmm. sees the apocalypse happening um, so I, I do see. think it is a definitive, no, the apocalypse is happening angle. Well, sorry for trying to leave it more open-ended for sorry, the viewers, Roxana. No. You know? But again, like you said, that means like, so what are our ambiguous endings? We only have two this season mm -hmm. because this is a very definitive ending. The werewolf one is is pretty definitive, I think. And Joan is awful is pretty definitive. Whereas it's like three, yeah, two be, and be, three that are a little more open ended, I guess. I, I wouldn't. I would argue two is not very open. Beyond the sea okay. is definitely open ended. Okay. Um, and this one is a little bit open ended. Episode mm -hmm. five a little bit open ended. But 
but yeah, that that was probably the, where the episode was strongest for me. Is this this idea of, uh, you know, Roxana, you and I are both immigrants, sure, right? and well, chil- yeah, child of immigrants, children I, of immigrants, immigrants. I, I am an immigrant, you know. Okay, I, I wasn't born here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, or second generation immigrant, you mm-hmm. know, like that's fine. And uh, there are a lot of people out in the United States that would prefer that we weren't here, you know. Sure, and, yeah, and what is uh, like, how does one react to that? Like, what how, what does that do to a person, and and how does one react to that? And then mm-hmm. what happens when that reaction is at a level that um, is a crime? You know, which is what mm-hmm. happens in this episode, right? And uh, th- that's kind of what the episode stirred up for me because you really see this is the one that has the real like the the intense microaggressions, obviously with right. her lunch and everything like that. Pretty rich, by the way, for Black Mirror to have an episode where. <laughs> As I mentioned to you, there's a character, you know, you have a, a a white woman and an Indian dude in episode one where, like, he doesn't cook strong enough. And in this episode, it's too strong. Um, I think that that is showing the breadth the of the breadth. immigrant experience. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. That is thoughtful to not have us assume that every South person... Asians are not a monolith. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. Thank you. Thank um, you. But... Anyway, uh, yeah, we, so we see her being microaggressed towards right. many times during this episode, right. and, uh, and and like, outwardly wh- aggressed. Yeah, the National out- Front spa- spray paints NF on her door, right? It's yeah, and it's like, and you see that for someone in that situation, um, what their their set of available possibilities that's available to them is like not very large, like mm-hmm. like many people who experience this like they make themselves smaller right because mm-hmm. you don't want to attract any attention you don't want to like um and it's it's very i sympathize with that a lot you know i think it's it's what's also interesting is too like my dad probably got microaggressed a bunch of times or my parents probably got microaggressed a bunch of times and like but they they probably didn't even understand the language enough to even under like know what was going on do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. if if people told them their lunch was stinky or whatever they probably wouldn't even get that that was like a microaggression they probably don't even mm-hmm. understand the concept of microaggression but nita is somebody who like has clearly in my opinion grown up in this area and like knows the uh, has spent enough time in North of England to like understand the customs and why she and she and her reaction is like yes I'll eat in the basement I won't complain about the National Front spraying spray painting on on the door um, and so it's like let's make myself smaller and, and then this demon coming into her life gives her like the opportunity to really quote unquote make a difference and like what would right. a person do with that opportunity so those are the kind of cool things that the mo- the episode brings up but it's such a fantastical premise that it's like. Not so. It's like a wish fulfillment. It's not like a, this is relevant to our world today in any way. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I do, but I do think the conservative politician is relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think the idea of a certain kind of racism hiding in plain sight is relevant. Yeah. And I do think your question of like what is individual responsibility in response to that? I think that's relevant. Yeah. So I think all those things are relevant. I just don't think it does. It doesn't give you like a, and here's what you should do. Right. Right. Cause not all of us can call upon a demon to give us the power to kill people. (laughs) That was a, that was a nice like chilling scene when the, when the, politician michael smart talks yeah. to her co-worker and is like yes look i can't say all the horrible things but like you know i believe you know that them. i think them right and yeah he's really good i don't know i don't know if i recognize that actor from anything else mm-hmm. um the other main actors i did uh and john of was the lead in we are lady parts which is on peacock and is a great show um papa Esedu is from i may destroy you and gangs of london right. he's great and he has the new show on tnt the lazarus project so they're both pretty established um tv actors and this episode i don't know if this was the only episode that had a co-writer but it was co-written mm. by bisha ali who i think was the showrunner for miss marvel so it is you know it is an episode that i think comes from people who have very i think intentionally been in stories about like immigration and um you know like change 
London is changing. Like there are people here who are not just white. What is that experience like? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it actually was like a very thoughtful collection of people who came together for this episode. But yeah, again, like as a Black Mirror episode, I don't know. It's like on the border. It's like on the border of what I like. Whereas Maisie Day, I'm just like, no, barely even a Black Mirror episode at all. This is like on the edge of like, okay, like I kind of understand why this is mind bending in the way that a Black Mirror episode would be. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it does seem clear, Roxanne, I think that if Black Mirror is going to continue, which Based on the season, I think it should. Like it's a mm-hmm. it's a strong season, I think. Um, that Charlie Brooker really clearly wants to take it in like a different direction, and I, I think that th- this is the most notably like least sci fi season of the show yeah. so far. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, if his, if his interests are evolving, then I su- I fully support that. But yeah, let's let's momentarily let's get to like what we thought of the season as a whole. I mm-hmm. do want to mention. Um, Michael Smart does appear throughout the Black Mirror series. In okay. Joan is Joan is awful on the social. I'm reading from the Black Mirror wiki on okay. the social media app Smithereen. A post by USN states that Prime Minister Smart was met with strong counter protests when he arrived at the JFK International Airport. And in Lock Henry, Smart is seen referenced in several newspaper cuttings that they process and digitized, um, where he apparently delivers an openly racist speech in his constituency of Tipley. Uh, and later he is expelled from the party uh, and he starts his own independent party. Okay, so, so then, see, I don't like that then. <laughs> because well, because doesn't that contradict that... the episode? Uh, right, yeah, yeah. Um, unless Locke Henry is also a movie in the Black Mirror universe. <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 does, it does seem to imply that, well... It contradicts the episode because at the end of the episode, everything ends, right? Like the world Correct. ends, right? So, and it was in 1979 when that happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I get you know that's why maybe... it's a it's a movie in the Black Mirror universe, Roxana. You know that's what I I'm guess, trying to tell yeah. you. And you know, and that's the frustrating thing is that if I knowing this, I do put more credence behind your she's imagining it all theory. But my frustration with that is the filmmaking really doesn't support that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in its own, in, in the episode's own language of when mm. fantasies are happening and when they aren't happening. Mm, that's irritating. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I think it's a fair point. I think it's a fair point. All right. Well, yeah. any other thoughts on this episode before we talk about the season as a whole? I do, I do just want to also acknowledge, yeah, I, I liked all the interactions between Nita and the, the detective. I thought that was like where the detective like goes to her house and he's trying to mm-hmm. suss out like, is this an actual killer? Mm-hmm. And she kind of plays it in a really smart way where everything she does is like very understandable. You know, like it's yeah. just, there's a lot of like little night, like all these like person to person interactions. I feel like feel very real to me. And yeah. that's true for of a lot of black mirror. And I think a real strength of the show. So. Yeah. I mean, he's good too. He, and he was another phase where I was like, where do I know this man from? And I think he was on the Witcher. But again, it's like, I think this show has always done a very good job of taking recognizable faces who usually are not A-listers, right? You're usually not getting a Salma Hayek, um, but you're getting like a recognizable TV or movie face and you're just giving them a role that is so different um, from what they have done in the past, either so different from what they've done in the past or in line with what they've done but with like an interesting twist Mm -hmm. because on we are lady parts anjana vasan also plays a young woman who is like coming into her own and sort of grappling with being taken seriously uh there are no demonic murderers in that series but it is sort of a similar sort of role so yeah i mean i've always appreciated that about this show and i think this season does that as well but yeah the season overall I don't know. So you're so you are still on board. I am bullish on this season. I think mm-hmm. uh episodes 1 and 2 were pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Uh episode 5 was uh like just based off of the cast alone was really really good, although mm-hmm. again, uh, kind of at the edge of what I'd want for Black Mirror. And then episodes uh 3 and 4 were pretty rough, right? Yeah. Uh and 
that is probably an above average hit rate for Black Mirror. <laughs> like, just <laughs> in, from my experience, like to have like two strong episodes and one pretty good one. I thought like mm-hmm. that's like uh, that is a good record, and I have enjoyed watching the show. I've enjoyed talking with you about it here on Decoding mm-hmm. TV. So it's like uh, I want them to make more of it. But yes, it, it is notable that out of the five episodes, three of them don't seem to have any sci-fi in them at all. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, again, it feels like Charlie Brooker is going in a different direction. I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the show did need to evolve to some degree. I'm not sure if I uh, like the direction they're taking it in, but uh, still willing to wait and see. I hope they make more of them. What do you think, Roxana? At the end of uh, watching these five episodes and talking about them for Decoding TV, what do you think? I think it was really only three that bothered me. Um, because, yeah, like even the ones that were not sci-fi, I just really enjoyed as genre experiments. And I think if the series continues, it probably will continue in that vein of maybe more of a commentary on like storytelling as a form and like narrative cliches and sort of what we expect from certain forms of story, which I'm fine with. I mean, I, you know, whatever. We called it the Goosebumps episode, but I enjoyed watching episode four. I loved five. I think one and two were pretty good. I liked two more than you did, I think, because I liked the true crime, like documentary style integration. It was really only three. And my frustration with three is that I felt like it had so much potential that just doesn't go explored. So it's not that it was like a bad idea, right? It was like still an interesting idea that just didn't go somewhere that I expected it to go. So yeah, like I will keep watching I don't know. Will we have to wait? What is it? Like another four years? Like how long did we wait? <laughs> Wasn't it To be fair, you know, it was... Uh, yeah, it was COVID. COVID yeah. kind of shut down the world. And, sure. and, he, and I think Charlie Brooker has stated on the record, we already are living through a dystopia. Like I don't need to add my, uh, my feelings to it. Um, and yeah, now that- but my man, we were living in a dystopia when you started this show. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a cop-out answer to me. Well, it's just, Black Mirror kind of p- often puts you in a really dark place. And I think it's the yeah. idea is that we were all in a really dark place and there's no need to make it darker. But now mm-hmm. that many, many people have kind of, not everyone, but many people have been able to kind of uh, go back to normal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is maybe there's some more space for some of these darker elements. But even among the darker elements, it's like we're not, that's what's so interesting to me is like, at a time when arguably the ubiquity of cell phones, the rise of generative AI and so on is like so prevalent and part of people's lives in a way they haven't been before. Charlie Brooker saying, Hey, we're, I'm going to do a little bit of that. There's no, it's not nothing, but like the majority of the show is not going to be about any future facing technology. Um, and I think that's interesting, you know, I think it's interesting. I also think we could see it next season, right? Like we have to keep in mind, like when was this written or produced? I don't know. Um, but many, like many a lot of ago. many months, yeah, like a yeah. lot of that stuff, I think, has become people have become more publicly aware of it very quickly. I think, um, like I don't even think in January we were really seriously talking about like Chat GPT. Like everyone was seriously talking about it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think like life comes at you fast. Um, and I could see next season going back to being more of a sci-fi space. But he's pretty good at horror, so. If he keeps doing that. It's all very solid filmmaking. You know, every episode, I think episode six was directed by Toby Haynes, by the way, very talented filmmaker, mm-hmm. you know, so like mm-hmm. they, they, episode he, five, right? Uh, Sorry, episode five. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, all the directors are very strong this season. And mm-hmm. and um, that's generally been a strength of Black Mirror is they, they'll get a bunch of different directors to make the episodes. Yeah. And like, um, it's a great opportunity for people to like uh, do a cool genre piece of filmmaking. So, uh, I ultimately enjoyed this season more than I didn't enjoy it. Obviously enjoyed talking with Roxana Dottie about it. So uh, I'm rooting for it to come back for at least one more season, but we will see. All right. As we wrap up today, I do want to mention if you enjoyed this podcast, you can support it by going to decodingtv.com and sign up to be a paid member, uh, get access to early episodes, ad free episodes and make this show, uh, give this show the resources to keep going. We really appreciate it. I pay everyone who is a co-host on the show and uh, I depend on the contributions from the paid members at decodingtv.com to make this podcast possible. 
Um, I also want to mention you can follow us, email us at decodingtv at gmail.com, but also follow us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Decoding TV. We broadcast live on YouTube all the time. Uh, and stay tuned for conversations about Secret Invasion, Silo, The Bear, and much more this summer. Uh, Roxana Haddadi, as mm-hmm. usual, it has been an absolute pleasure. Same. Uh, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Vulture slash New York Magazine, or you can just find me on Twitter. All right. Well, we'll link to all that in the show notes. Roxana, thanks for the chat. And until next time here on Decoding TV, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. And try to ignore any demons that tell you to kill people. No, I'm definitely not going to. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 